the one thing which was the most important thing to me was to be with my daughter. Everything starts in your childhood. That is why I do the work I do today because I know better now. The best thing you can do for yourself is find the the right coach who sees who you are in the essence of who you are. Hi, uh, I'm Puneet Sachdev. I work in people and culture and future workplace practices for organizations. I also do a lot of executive coaching work with women leaders. It's amazing how often we fight for our limitations and not for our greatness. For five minutes, just five minutes, you have to talk about your greatness. The amount of resistance that comes up is amazing. Gosh. You guys are touching all the bloody hot buttons, man. And we've not only started, it's just been 10 minutes into the conversation. So, let's not keep you waiting any longer and turn through the pages of this open diary. I hope you are listening. Benit, thank you for joining us today. We're well, super excited to have you. Yep, thank you very much. Great opportunity, great questions. I'm glad. All right, let's get right into it. So, Panit, you're a father, you're an executive director, and you're a keynote speaker. But first, let's remove all these titles aside mm -hmm. and tell me, who is Panit? My goodness. <laughs> I wish I knew that myself. If you are on a journey of, of awareness and introspection it's really hard to define who you are as such right because that keeps shifting as you go along uh, at the very core at the essence of who i am i would say that uh, first and foremost is connection with people is extremely important to me right beneath everything i'm just saying stripping everything away Connection to people, connection to friends, to family is very important to me. Uh, my spiritual growth is extremely important to me as a human being, right? Being on that journey, um, you know, taking care of my health and my well-being is another important aspect. Uh, these things really make life possible, right? I mean, incidents and events will keep happening in your life. And the more regulated you are, the more regulator your nervous system is, should I say, the the more, let's say, uplifted or the more the more conscientious will be your thoughts and your actions. So at the core, if I just take everything away, these are a few things I try to do in my life is that connection piece, the learning, the growing, the spirituality, the well-being, taking care of myself. Um, so I think those are a few things uh, beneath it all. I love writing. I really enjoy writing. I have published several children's stories. I started doing that for my daughter as a birthday gift. So that's nothing to do with my title. I did that as when she was four years old for the first time. So that's like eight or nine years ago now. I wanted to give her something which was which only I could give her and nobody on this planet could, right? I didn't want to go into the supermarket, get something, give it to either. And I just couldn't figure out what do I do for her. This is the time when I was living and working in San Francisco, doing some work for an Accenture company. And every Friday I was flying. I would live in San Francisco. I'd fly to Chicago because my client was United Airlines. So doing some post-merger integration work for United Culture and uh, aviation technology work with these guys. Uh, so somehow the idea came into me was to write a book. Of course, the first thing is 
I'm not a writer. <laughs> think all these things is, well, who the hell am I to write? The thing about me, which I feel is, is what I like about myself. One thing is, if I want to do something, I give it a go. Okay, I have sung in marriages. I can't sing very well, but I have found my ways into singing in concerts, singing in marriages, <laughs> you name it. So similarly, right, okay, uh, I write. I, I wrote. I would write every Friday in the afternoon when I was flying on that whatever the UA flight used to be, 3.40 p.m., which would take three hours to get me back to San Fran. That's when I would do my writing. And I did the story writing. I did the illustrations for that story, which I gave to her as a fourth birthday gift. And when I showed it to somebody, the book uh, to a friend of mine, she said, wow, your daughter draws really well. I said, yeah, she draws very well. We'll get better in time. <laughs> so that was my standard, okay, <laughs> of doing stuff. But uh, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, I also had a very clear idea in my head. Someday, Ela is going to turn 18 years old. She's going to go away somewhere. And I want her to have this, you know, those IKEA transparent like storage containers. I want her to have the most incredible memories that have been created for her, which she can put in that box, she can take with her and go, and she will know forever that she is loved. Okay, so this is all. I've done a lot of art for her. I've done a lot of artwork for her. I've done stories, I've done writings on various things and things over the years. And that was my main goal, that she knows that she is loved. So that's an inside track, which would not be on my LinkedIn profile for you guys. <laughs> of course, now, so I would then do book readings in her school. So I would write the story, do that. For some years, she enjoyed it. Hey, daddy's doing book reading. She'll come and sit on my lap and she will start telling the story before even I could complete it. Now, daddy stay away from school. No, <laughs> nothing like that. <laughs> but, you know, she is, she is completely, she is very inspirational to me. I mean, I look into her eyes and her face is so, you can see the soul of the world in the eyes. And she's 12 years old. She has been awarded a citizenship. She's given a, a citizenship award by the MP, local MP, for the work she's done supporting, uh, what do you say, uh, you know, like the um, these volcanoes and things that we have dealt with. She did a lot of fundraising for communities in Vanuatu and some other countries. She does a lot of like proactive shape running of the younger students in the school and stuff. So she's done that. She's also a published kids' book author. She sings on the stage with the Australian Girls Choir. So, you know, quite honestly, she is the biggest gift and she's very inspirational. Uh, the other side to my life is I don't get much time with her. And maybe that is why it is like this for me. Had I been regular home, being there with her, growing, you know, being with her and me, I may never have ventured into this creative art stuff for her at all. But I think it was more that even because I was not there for whatever happened, it was more that expression of love. No matter where I am in the world, you're very loved. So, um, so that's how this all came about. There is so much to unpack there, Donate. What you said at the end about not spending as much time with your daughter reminded me of a quote that I heard recently that said that all successful people are ordinary people that have sacrificed everything 
to achieve one thing. Mm. What do you think you've sacrificed to get where you are today? Wow. Oh. That's a very solid question. Uh, I think for the one thing which was the most important thing to me for seven, eight, nine years was to be with my daughter. Nothing else, uh, career. It's almost, you know, like that's all my goal was. First of all, it was to be able to 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 actually keep the marriage going in some way and not separate and all of that. Okay, that was a prime goal first. When that did not happen, my goal was to be close to my daughter. And uh, I think I just tried everything on the planet to be with her. It took me years to get there. Visa problems. I'm in Australia because of my daughter, right? And uh, to get to Adelaide because that's where she was with Kate. So initially I was trying to see if, you know, things could be different. But anyway, it took me about a good number of years. Uh, I was applying for a visa. They changed the points. That completely disqualified me. So the only way that I could get there was to getting a sponsorship from some organization. And I would spend six months in the UK and six months in Australia. I did that for at least two or three years. And I must have reached out to 400 people to get that one job, which got me there. And it took a very long time. I think I compromised every area. And I think some of them, I would also say, was a bit of self-abandonment as well, which I don't think is too great for anybody to do. When I look back at my life, right? But that's that's what I did. I put everything. Um, uh, I mean, that was the only focus to create that life. And you know, when now people talk about women who have to take time out, they're getting having a child, and they have to be out of their career, and that does not become the focus. Then coming back into work and all that becomes a challenge. In some ways, I can relate to that. <laughs> you know, in a very different way, I can relate to that. Uh, but uh, but I did it. You know, I did everything. Mean, that's the only thing which I want to do. I did that. I've done that at different points in time in my life when I wanted to do only one thing and I did that only one thing. But also what happens is with challenges come along, Some there were times when my self-confidence was completely annihilated. I didn't even have the courage to set a goal for myself. That's how much I lost my self-belief and stuff through a lot of the journey which happened. But, you know, going back many, many years ago, um, um, not as eventful or as as emotionally as powerful as this, but I wanted to join only the Oberoi hotels in India, right? Because they were the 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 bees knees and the cats whiskers, and the best of the best in Asia, the best organization to work in. Thousands would apply; they would take a handful of people to become management trainees over there, and um, I I applied once. They said, sorry, we don't take anybody from your college and all of that stuff. They kicked me out. I applied twice. They didn't. Then I found another way. I said, okay, instead of going to Delhi, I'm going to go to Mumbai this time. And, you know, I got into Mumbai and then I went through the selection process, about three group discussions and 
uh, written aptitude tests, maths and English and all of that stuff. Ultimately, you know, long story short, that was nothing which I said I have to do this and I created it. Now also, you know, looking back, that was when I was in my early 20s. So I have that streak in me, a lot of tenacity and stuff to really go after something for many, many years. But also there have been many years where I just could not, I just did not have it in me to be able to create it. But uh, uh, what was I going to say along with that? Yeah. There's something else to that. Anyway, I've forgotten. We'll probably come, probably come back to me. So there have been different points in time where something has been a sole goal at, you know, I didn't plan for any other work in my life. That's where I'm going, and that's only what I'm going to do. And I loved it. I had the best time of my working life, worked with the Oberoi's, made some incredible friends, and then from there transitioned into more of the work which I do today uh, in some version of it. That's a very long way of answering a short question. Right. I think it wasn't quite a short question, but I'm seeing a bit of a pattern there, I think, Paneet, and you've actually alluded to a couple of times, is having that streak, having the tenacity, having the mindset, you know, uh, from being the father of your daughter to being the professional. And I'm just really, really curious to understand, was there a significant childhood event or series of events? Or maybe let's just reframe it and say, how was your childhood? <laughs> Gosh. You guys are touching all the bloody hot buttons, man. And we've not only started, it's just been 10 minutes into the conversation. Uh, yeah, you know, that's, 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 everything starts in your childhood. That is why I do the work I do today, because I know better now. Um, when you talk about that desire to be close to Eva and to do have gifts and those things so that she knows she is loved, it comes from my own childhood experiences, right? Now, I grew up in a middle-class Indian Hindu home. My father was from the Indian Navy, and my mother used to work for Time and Life encyclopedias, okay? And uh, I mean, the beginning years, adolescent years, till that time, it was very good. Life was very, it was a very healthy lifestyle. The defense services in India is probably the best life, even today, I would say, that you can have. It was very protected, living in cantonment areas. We went to decent schools. I mean, I finished my education with Naval from military school. I spent about six years, last six years doing that. And uh, man, uh, many of the people that you're posted with are the same families. They're moving around. So it's a very strong community. I mean, so many of my school friends I know from their like little kids, we all moved from one school to the other school, to one from Bombay to Wysak to Delhi and Cochin. All of us were together. Yeah. So I don't think you can ask for anything better. The focus was sports after after school was sports and was a lot of social events. That's the way naval life used to be. And it was just fantastic. Did a lot of yachting and sailing with my dad. He was a keen sportsman. I mean, a lot of sports. He represented the Navy in and the country and all of that stuff. And so I get a lot of that from my father. I love sports. And I think what started shifting was when we moved to Delhi and when my mother started working full time in time and life books, she was leading a large operation and she did extremely well, very successful, won a lot of awards for her work. Now, I don't know what, somewhere in between, whether it was the relationship with my dad where maybe she did not feel that she got the support she needed or it was work, no matter what you call it. 
I just, you know, she used to be angry so much of the time. She used to be angry so much of the time, correct? So clearly something was stressing the hell out of her. And I was on the receiving end a lot of that anger. And it could be because I was a naughty kid. I did nothing, you know, nothing dangerous or anything like that. But naughty would mean like pranks and all of that stuff was what I would do. Right. So, but I was on the receiving end a lot of that anger and uh, and wrath and stuff. And I feel that somewhere that, you know, it kind of imprints this feeling of not feel not being loved, not feeling loved. Right. And that then also lays the foundations for the relationships you're going to create in your life, especially with your with your significant other. And then, you know, if you start looking at there is fantastic uh, resource. It's called the attachments theory. I don't know if you know about the attachment theory or not. If you do, I mean, what an insight. I never knew about all that stuff. But when I started looking at my own patterns, moving through my separation and divorce, so I could just see so much of it. It just comes back to childhood. So uh, that was very much present for me in my mind through moving through all of this stuff. To do this was, that's one part of it. And I think as well, a lot of it was driven by the fact this also leads to the feeling it's in the context of like mother and son, correct? Which means that gets replicated somewhere in with your wife and yourself. And when I look back at my behaviors, I think a lot uh, initially trying to save the marriage a little, I think it was way beyond I should have done quite honestly, because Kate was very clear it's done, but I kept persisting. When I look back at it, I think it was because for me, that was a significant rejection, which probably triggered what happened growing up. Okay, it probably just triggered those childhood things of being rejected by my mother. And that got played out by this. And that's where I feel my edge has been in my life, has been in romantic relationships, this feeling of being abandoned, this feeling of rejection, right? Because of course, I mean, I've done significant amount of my own inner journey and work, and I am, I would say that I'm out the other. Uh, well, so so that's kind of you know a little more behind the behind the scenes kind of a thing. I can I can relate with you, Punit, so much. I, I my mum, I received the most amount of incredible love from her, but I also got physically disciplined by her. So growing up, I didn't ha I haven't thought about it much, but in the past past three, four years, I have been thinking about how that type of love has affected me as a person and the way I show love and goes back to the attachment theories. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a that's a really interesting insight from you. So thank you. I, I kind of I was reflecting for myself before all of this, you touched upon conf confidence. And that you weren't the fact that you weren't confident um at some point of your life recently i've heard a quote another quote because uh i'll read and <laughs> i listen to a lot of podcasts said that you need to outwork your confidence as someone who has seemed very confident now and it clear it's very clear from your from your career what how do you think someone can go about overcoming the confidence issue and that that yeah that voice inside your head yeah I, I don't think it's as simple as voice inside your head i think it's oversimplified in my experience um 
you know, so like I said, there was always, no matter what happened with mother shouting, screaming, etc., all of that, through it all, I still always knew I had light in me that I was different. I'm going to do something incredible in the world. I still believe in that. I still I will do that. I don't think I am doing too much towards it right now, but you know, I, I know what I want to be doing. Um, I, I think there are times when you cannot do anything about it. So loaded up with trauma that it does not want to do anything to do with what your head wants to do. It does not want to be confined in a job. It does not want to be confined in a marriage. It does not want to be confined in any of those parameters. It's what you call the dark night of the soul, correct? That's what the, it's called, the dark night of the soul. Joseph Campbell calls it the hero's journey. It's the call to adventure and the belly of me. It's got those different stages to it, correct? You know that. But I don't think that you can just simply say, I will outwork it. There may be times when it is, it, it depends what is the source of that, okay? It's not that easy as saying conflict, but what is the source of that? What has to be released from that nervous system of yours to make you feel more within yourself, to regulate, to co-regulate, to be more and sympathetic nervous responses, correct? Which is more flight and fight and flight and fawn and all of that. Which uh, so in I just talk from my my own self. In my case is very clear that uh, so the marriage thing happened that broke down. I was another relationship that was another big bloody disaster. It started off incredibly well, very creative, both of us, similar mindsets. I thought, wow, this is a match made in heaven. It actually was as well, honestly. We were looking at our, our birth charts, right? Hindu background. So you know, in 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 so in India, when you have to do you've got to get married, the whole arranged management system, it's what you do is you match your birth charts. It's called the Ashtakut Milan, and there are 36 qualities which we have and we want to match with our partner. So if you have 18 or above, then it's, it's recommended you can marry. Anything 24 and above is phenomenal. So this gal and I, <laughs> I shared it with Atul, who, was, who, uh, who is somebody referred to me for looking at the birth charts. He says, I have never seen anything like this in all my years. You guys are 32 or 33 out of 36. Okay. And this is incredible. Uh, and I quite see it, you know. But the only thing was that she had been through so, like trauma 100 times worse than what I had been through. Okay. So for her, all that came up. And, and I could not comprehend what the hell was happening around me? <laughs> What's going on? So on the one side, we would have these amazing, world-changing, creative conversations about, you know, both of us write kids' stories and we have that inclination. Very intelligent, very intelligent girl. Very beautiful too. Uh, but the thing was, there was trauma before that greatness, right? That had to be moved through. So that takes time, yeah. That just takes, sometimes it takes longer than you think and you have to do the work and you've got to get the right help you need. And on other times, confidence is not a, it's not something that, it's it's a byproduct. It really, ultimately confidence is once, let's say, you remove all that, confidence is a byproduct of going out and taking action. In a way, it's also telling yourself 
that something out there is more important than this fear that I feel within myself. There's a mission out there, you know, which is if you can remove the focus of yourself, that may be a simple answer for your question. If you can remove that focus of yourself and you can remember why you want to do what you want to do, and that, that is more important than you having a voice in your head from a past memory. Oh my God, I cannot do this on what will people think, correct? What is confidence? The biggest fear is the fear of rejection because that is equal to death, right? That is ultimately what it comes down to. So I think the, the, the simplest mental talk or let's say self-talk in that case is number one, it's a result of going out and doing stuff. Uh, I would say that work with people who, who support you. Like through my journey, I work with some incredible coaches, some amazing people who have helped me through that. You stand on their shoulders, you lean on their consciousness, and you overcome your own ego. That's what you're doing. You're overcoming that little egoic thing in your head saying for reasons why you cannot be doing what you're doing. So if you don't feel that well resourced, just find people around you who trust you, who believe in you, who see you, fine. I think the best thing you can do for yourself is find the, the right coach or something like that who sees who you are in the essence of who you are, who will not, because what we do, I coach a lot of women leaders. That's what I do. And it's amazing how often we fight for our limitations and not for our greatness. Okay. I, this is why I cannot do this. This is why I cannot do that. Train that, and that's you, sometimes you need external support. And it's actually great to have that external support, right? It's great to know that, okay, this person on the back, whether it's a coach, whether it's your, your spouse or somebody, people around you, it, it's, it's a great feeling to have that. So I would say that's what it is. And um, also in having done a lot of work with women leaders as well, it's very clear that they do tend to downplay what their gifts and their talents and their accomplishments are. There's just no doubt. I've seen that so often. And what's interesting is when I coach with them, I do something called a brilliance session. So down the road somewhere, I would say, okay, next time we meet, we're going to do, we'll do a brilliant session where for five minutes, just five minutes, you have to talk about your greatness. The amount of resistance that comes up is amazing. <laughs> Quick one. Can you please take a second and follow us on any platform you're listening from? It will help more than you know. Thank you. Benit, thanks for sharing, I think, very openly. I can see Ali's face on the screen. I see myself, which is like deeply connecting with, with the stories you're sharing with us. And the last part you touched on around external support is a topic we touch on almost every other episode. Mm. And, and, and we love it and we can't not touch on it because, you know, unfortunately it's one of these, you know, taboo topics, whether it's your coach, whether it's your friends, whether it's your therapist, whether it's anyone around you who's going to be there for you. Um, and so my question for you is, when was the last time you were in the mud and you reached out to a friend. When when was the last time you were what? When was the last time you were going through a very difficult phase in your life or yeah. what we call, you know, and I, you're in the mud. You're stuck okay. in the mud. In the and, mud, right? Okay. I yeah. thought you said you were yeah. mugged. 
And you've reached out to a friend. Yeah, so your question was that when was the last time that you reached out to somebody for support when you were in a situation where you felt stuck? So uh, instead of saying stuck, I would say that when I am kind of dealing with crossroads, okay? And uh, so I've been working with, with Daphne for a number of years who I met in the US. And I've been working for the last 10 years. I've worked with several coaches, but she is she has been one person who I incredibly trust. She knows me extremely well. She knows all my patterns. She is a very successful businesswoman. She is a public figure out there. She has got incredible, incredible ability to read energy and give you insights. So I had my recent con I had my most recent conversation with her a couple of weeks ago. I usually will speak to her once in about four to six weeks. Paneet, yeah, it sounds like you've had a heck of a life um, and you've picked up a lot of different lessons with you along the way and you are where you are today. Um, and mm -hmm. you said you, you have a greater mission that you want to accomplish. So what, what, what would be your why? Oh, what would be my why? Um, the why is a part of it is personal. It's a lot. Actually, everything is personal experience, right? Because sometimes it's not. It's not in your cells. How the hell can you? How can it be within your body? And how can you do that work? So, what's life for me right now is, uh, like I said, so my work. A lot of my work, a good 60-70% of my work is like people and culture and uh, change, organizational change, culture work in, in organizations, right? Whether as an in-house leader or as a consultant. And I also said that where what also has taken on a way, an important meaning to me is the work that I do as a coach. And happenstance, most of my clients are women leaders, right? That's what it has been. 60-70% of my clients are female leaders. Uh, they have come from all over the world. They have worked with an Oscar-nominated and Emmy Award-winning Hollywood producer who wanted to transition to creating global movements towards regenerative living. I've worked with a senior leader from Rolls-Royce who wanted to set up her own consultancy. I've worked with founders scaling our own wellness tech venture who was going in for investment. And I worked with a top 10 intellectual property rights lawyer of a country. And uh, I am on the San Francisco. They have the NASDAQ Entrepreneur Center in San Francisco. I've been, I'm one of the coaches. I've been doing that for the last three, four years. So I'm regularly coaching female founders through them as well. And I... So through this journey, what has happened is I've had a few realizations as well as to working, you know, working with, with the women leaders. You know, one is, of course, I know that when this whole thing of the cliche of when mama is happy, everyone happy is so true. And I think a part of why I do what I do is that goes back to, you know, my experiences. And if they can be happy, their households will be happy. If I look at leadership development, for me, leadership development actually starts at home 
creating nurturing homes, creating loving homes where people feel, where kids feel loved. If that's the long tail of leadership development, you create wholehearted people right at that point. And then from there they go, right? And I think women play a very significant role in that piece right there. They are mothers, they are creators, they have the divine feminine in them, they have all those qualities. Also because, you know, what I do see is my work with them mainly is, of course, one of them, one of it is to help them see they are their own subject matter experts. They know what they're doing very, very well. I don't know how to produce a movie, etc. although I'd love to at some point. But my work with them is oftentimes the inner engineering, the inner understanding of their own limiting mental models, helping them acknowledging their own brilliance, like I said, and also acknowledging it and owning it. It's also about mental and emotional well-being for them and that I feel is really important also more for women than men because the women will experience many more traumatic events in their life than a man ever would okay there has been enough research recently some great quality research in the UK about 2,000 female senior female leaders they all have experienced at least five significant traumatic events in their life, three or four of which, as guys, it would never even happen in our life, okay? So there's that piece as well. Not only female leaders, it's women who are at that stage now, they've been through 15, 20 years of work, etc., in life. They do experience a lot more traumatic events than guys do, right? So, uh, so I am sensitive to that as well when I'm doing the work that I'm doing with the women leaders, okay? And uh, last but not the least also is the fact that all of this ultimately is, is support creating really wholehearted, fully embodied women leaders in the world because I think that ha has several downstream repercussions on the consciousness of humanity. So that's why I do what I do, the work with women leaders. I see doing that more and more. I have a social impact version of that as well. I have created a 100% scholarship-based program for cohorts of four female leaders from African and Middle Eastern countries. So I do that on a regular basis. I mean, second cohort is getting in play. First one was with women in Africa. Second one is with women in Beirut or Lebanon, let's say, is that's coming up. That's that. But I also do that in organizations, and it looks slightly different. In organizations, it's called the Shakti Rising Program. Shakti means the divine feminine. So a part of what this work into organizations is the transformative work with women leaders, because most of the programs that I see women leaders are put onto, it's very, it's very fixed approach that, you know, you go get fixed because go get understand imposter syndrome, networking, confidence, all of that, and then come back into this patriarchal container, right? Where we won't shift our, some organizations do, but sometimes they don't. So for me, it's about doing the transformative work with women leaders, group coaching, action learning sets, including a lot of well-being and uh, energetics of leadership into this experience, in addition to leadership goals. But it is also about then working with the organizations to dive deep to be able to understand their mindsets, their processes, and the initiatives they have to create gender gender equality in leadership roles. So while the women's leadership journey is a seven-month journey, 
the diagnostic piece into the organizations looking at what's going on is five to seven weeks to give them the the recommendations and the insights so i think that's a very meaningful part of what i do and it has come it has really been informed by very very personal life journeys for me the other thing which is really important for me which ties into my why is creating high quality conscious content for children and for parents and that's why i do the writing the kids stories although i did a lot of it for ela i've done in the pandemic i also wrote a whole new series the magical dreams of blue bollywood and it is all about teaching kids about core humanitarian values in a very heuristic manner okay because uh, i mean i think about it if what is the content i would like my daughter to consume and i write from that perspective and not only that you also know that by reading a story is not going to shift anything you may feel great as a parent i read a story and then it's great but what is needed is the change in their behavior but also role modeling by parents so this was more of an outside of work we bunch of us as volunteers created this so i did the stories i was helped with some people around me to create games to create research content which associated with the theme of the story so it's a story like uh bill of bollywood and the star of truth it was about honesty we also had a game around it we also had a one pager research created on it which talks about what as a parent is required for you to help you teach the kids about honesty in their life etc so i played around with that i would love to you know expand into that uh maybe a little right now i don't think it's the time for me to do that so carry on doing my writing and stuff but maybe that'll come a little more into four i don't know five seven eight years down the line so right now my work still remains focused on creating high performing equitable inclusive workplaces and cultures that's bread and butter for me 80 90% and a good 20% is working with the women leaders primarily sometimes i work some 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 men too but mainly women leaders and creating solutions like this which create gender equality in organizations so all very very driven from personal experiences Anit, you've mentioned your work with kids, I think, on multiple occasions now. And although normally I wouldn't get into the future work, but I'm very curious to understand if this role actually exists out there in the world. Do we actually have coaches? And I know we have therapists who work, you know, with adolescents and whatnot. But do we actually have coaches and some of the work with adults that do with kids and particularly today where we have an attention economy ali that's your favorite topic and we live in a world where just one distraction to the other literally right and okay so let me understand it really okay. makes us yeah. think and it just it makes me think that what are your like what's your perspective so far from the experience you've had working with adults and then combining that with what you've done in terms of project work for kids what type of workforce are we building today for the future in terms of our kids um so let me just try to play it back to you let me understand what you're asking me that of course there's a, a large part of my life goes working with adults working in organizations doing the coaching work of female leaders 
and as a hobby on weekends and stuff i've done a lot of writing of children's stories i still do that stuff i love doing all that work so i still carry on doing a bit of that uh, and of course it's driven by the fact to create conscious content which will raise the awareness of the consciousness of kids now in terms of you know how this combines or generally how these two tracks are moving forward in the world it's such a broad question i i think my perspective on that is that the parents have to do their inner work the parents is everything really i think that's the genesis of everything and that's why you know what i do with the organizations it also comes from that same place what is my you know you know when somebody asked what why do you do work in organization development and leadership and you know future employee experience and all that it's very clear to me it's to create organizations where people where you know of course creating high performing teams and all of that but also where people are fully self expressed where they feel happy in doing what they are doing what does that do that has an impact on their homes and their interactions with their children with their partners and that makes for a very very different world correct more and more today organizations are expected to kind of play that holistic role to provide that support and experience for their employees and some organizations are doing it extremely well i mean you look at companies like better up and look at culture ramp is such a great example in australia what did you and the team have done over there incredibly amazing work and um so i just think that the starting point of all of that is is parents and the work with parents which needs to get done uh, which will make an impact on 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 the kids but they're losing an opportunity of creating a different kind of a world if you don't address the way schooling and education happens there are of course now various beautiful like the, the alpha school which is out of texas and austin they're doing some great work there's the old school san francisco there are so many interesting homeschooling options coming up which i feel are fascinating you know and uh we probably need more of that i haven't really delved into it uh, yet i don't know if i will as well i'll leave that for somebody else to do i'll give them stories which they can read to their kids over there <laughs> you've worked with a lot of executives and founders and and so on what are the three common limiting beliefs that you have come across the the one common limiting belief across all humanities i'm not good enough okay that's standard there's just various flavors to it that's all mm-hmm. i think the the better ones they they know how to play with that because you know this is just a old part of me which is getting triggered and i have to just remind myself that uh this is not really who i am today right i am beyond this and it's also going back and being clear about your why and why you're doing the work that you're doing i mean founders have a very clear strong purpose correct they've created it it's they've given birth to what they're creating so they're very connected to it but they have also a lot of insecurities because with that attachment comes the fear of failure incredible fear of failure right it's like it's your child and then you're failing your child in some ways it comes there and uh, so i think that's one which is very common thematic pattern i think the other challenge is well-being today you know honestly really being able to take the time out for your own well-being for your mental health for your physical health for your spiritual health 
is incredibly, incredibly important. So no matter who I work, if you and I were to do a coaching session, the first few minutes, we will do mindfulness, okay? I will ask you to close your eyes, have your feet on the ground, have your spine upright, drop your shoulders, close your eyes, and we'll do start with deep breathing and then get present body scan, sensations of the body. So I'm also trained in mindfulness. I did my training in a Buddhist monastery in Scotland. I definitely, definitely, if my coaching clients do not have a sitting practice or a stillness practice, then I would I would build that into my coaching work with them so that their well-being is robust and solid. So I don't think that those really are the main strands today, which probably most of us are dealing with. The stakes just get higher the the more resources you have at your disposal, correct? I mean, decision-making has got much more impact in, in terms of what it can do to a business. It could sink a business and that. And I think I would say probably third thing is intimate relationships, okay? I mean, we know stats, stats are right there. And I mean, that takes an incredible toll. The energetic resources, the mental resources which which go there, they are tremendous. So I would say that these are three key areas which almost everybody goes through in their life. The interesting thing is this. I would say some very few of them probably would not have that because of how they've grown up and what they've done their work or they have that gift. But I think by and large, 70, 80 percent people. The only thing is this that see, life is designed today to keep us in a trance. Okay. We are kept in a trance of mediocrity. That is what the default future of any human being is. Unless you wake up, I mean, there's so many things tonight. That's a whole different topic which bothers the hell out of me that we're keeping people in a bloody trance, whether it's education, whether it's money, whether it's sexuality, whether it's any damn thing. It is in absolute, and it's dear designed to keep you being, and now with, with, with tech, with data, there's surveillance all around you all the time, all the time, all the time. If you're not aware, you think that you are creating your own stuff, making your own decisions, but you're probably not. So I, I just think that life is designed to keep us in this mediocre place. And for people like founders, for people like yourselves, for people like high performers, the reason why it seems more prevalent for them is because they don't want to live that mediocre life. And the moment you start stretching or start opening that seat belt of yours, and stretching out, you are going to hit all those terror barriers, correct? I can't do this. Can I do this? Who will do this? What will happen here? What will happen there? All that comes in. But if I was to refine everything, bring it down to one thing which you want to do, I think your well-being, your mental well-being, physical well-being, if you keep that in tip-top shape, I think it, it, it will fund everything, your energetic awareness it funds everything in your life. That's the one thing I would say, in my opinion, is in many ways a silver bullet or two or three silver bullets together in, you know. Um, what you said, Nid, is so powerful. And I hope like people that are listening understand the importance of that. And mm -hmm. you brought about some really interesting points right at the end, which I want to get into, but I am very mindful of time. So. <laughs> 
I will leave it for part two and be hopefully have you in person in the studio and we can get into that part. We have a closing tradition, Penny, where um, the previous guest has left you a question. Oh my goodness, we really? I mean, is going to play that. And we'll go. So what are people missing that they really need to know? I think that's the exact last thing we spoke about. I think the most, the two things, okay? One is sorry, answer the, see, I knew it, clairvoyance or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that is, is, and look, I have made all the mistakes in my life. I have lived in four continents. I have been homeless. I've been on the streets. I have uh, depression, anxiety, you name it. I have dealt with just so much. And the other end of it, you talk about confidence. So there's so many nuances to all of these things. But I really say the baseline of it is your own mental, emotional, spiritual well-being, number one. Number two is your responsibility to create a happy home, no matter what it takes. And beneath that still remains your own well-being because that funds every damn thing in life. So I really think that is the crux of it all. And take the support you need. Find people who can deliver insights into your life. Otherwise, you will live that life, mediocre life. Now, mediocre does not mean that you're not reaching out well. You can you If you're in a comfort zone, no matter how wealthy you are, you're leading a mediocre life. You're not pushing the boundaries. You're not pushing. You're not letting your soul stretch. You're not doing your soul craft work, which you need to be doing. And perhaps it's not, it is not everybody's calling, right? Some people are predisposed and inclined to doing it. Maybe in another lifetime, it's going to be a part of their situation. And maybe some others have done it and they passed that and they're in a different place and they can make things happen. They're stretching life in different ways. But so I, I think that's what it is, yeah. Panit, you're really touching on all the juicy stuff at the end. Ali and I are going, oh, we want to keep going. Um, really good distinction. So you can be wealthy, successful, and mediocre. Absolutely. What is mediocre? You're, you're middle of the road. You're not pushing your boundaries. You're not releasing your seatbelt. And and you you are just, you know, what, they, what we call, you're letting the threshold guardians keep you on that path of what Joseph Campbell calls a village life, correct? You're not, you're not answering your call to adventure. And it's hard work. Call to adventure is a bloody hard work, man. It is. And I think I would take this opportunity. And if you had the opportunity to say to anyone now, who might be leading a mediocre life, or they are actually contemplating taking off the seatbelt, but they're hell scared, what would you say to them? Just to I think we've spoken about all of that. It really is. The fact of the matter is, if you're in touch with yourself, there's so many different versions of scared, okay? I mean, it's so easy to just simply say scared, but there's just so many, there are layers to this, man. If you're in touch with yourself and to what's going on in your body, okay, what I would also say is please do please do conscious movement practices, right? Whether it's yoga, five rhythms, dancing, ecstatic dance, to get out of that head and be in your body because somatic wisdom is incredibly important in life. But to come back to your question, your question now, scared, what is with people who are scared? I, I think that there's this, right? You know the scared which you have to act on, and you know the scare which you should not act on. 
okay you know it that shit i have to do this i knew it i had to leave i had to go and do this work in san francisco and creating everything i knew that i had to do certain things the the thing is this that what you also have to remember is this okay again based on all personal lived experiences is this people talk about listen to your intuition and gut i think that's incredibly important but also please be aware when you act on your intuition and your gut that is going to take you in the direction of your soul wanting to expand and being original being authentic what my mission is i will be happy no 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 you'll be satisfied deep down i'm doing the right thing but don't be fooled that it's going to be a bed of roses because you are doing what your mission is not really if you're doing what your mission is you must have challenges you must feel that fuck what the bloody hell is going on and you as a, as as you keep going you'll reach one part of your growth there will be comfort there will be stability all that is needed but then again when you're growing there will be another version of the messy middle but the more you are well well resourced the more you have those practices grounded in yourself you're embodied within yourself the less is the wobble the less is your fear around making a decision and all of that right you know it but you also know that fear and you know how to do this it just it closes the refractory period in your decision making in yourself remaining stable and solid within yourself still having the conviction and going for it beneath oh my god um thank you so much i have love i there are so many thoughts in my head going on right now i just want to go and write about everything you've just shared with us so thank you so much for your time i really 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 enjoyed it and learned a lot great thank you for the opportunity mm -hmm. yeah i'm here I mean, I mean, if you're saying something, I can't hear you. Yeah, sorry, guys. I was going to say the same. Thank you so much. You've actually made me reflect about a lot of recent experiences and uh, lots of challenges I've been having. And, you know, Ali's been there for me um, the last couple of months. And um, this is just incredibly valuable. I think the timing of this is not a coincidence. So thank you for sharing. Our stories are the building blocks of who we are. And we hope this episode was the right trigger to reflect on your stories and how they made you who you are. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on whatever platform you are hearing this from. Until the next Open Diary.